This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Cliff Richard with Millennium Prayer here on Faith FM. And we're on for our uh, section for prayer. This is our week of prayer this week, and we have been having this uh, regular little section um, where we stop and pray for rain, really. Mm. Um, And so you can join us right across the entire country as we pray for rain. This is a... um, yeah, it's, it's into faith. It is everybody right now here in Australia. We desperately need rain. We pray for rain. We pray for a break from the drought. We pray for our bushfire situation. We pray for our fireys and our farmers. And really just the terrible circumstances that we find ourselves in here in Australia right now. And so I'm going to hand over to Gemma, and Gemma's going to lead us in prayer. Thank you, Gemma. Father of kindness, we thank you for another day. Uh, Lord, at this time, we bring before you uh, the crisis that's happening across Australia, Lord. We think of all of the people that have been affected uh, by the droughts and the fires, Lord, and Australia is a country that's uh, that's crying out, Lord, and uh, there are so many people that are crying out to you, so many people that are looking to you at this time, um, and we want to do the same, Lord. We bring before you uh, thoughts of the farmers, Lord, who are struggling, um, some struggling to the point of being so unsure about their lives, Lord, their livelihood is is gone, being able to supply for their families, Lord. And um, yeah, we just want to pray that, um, yeah, you would find a way, uh, Lord, to to bring peace to those there who are struggling and, and even thinking of desperate things, Lord. We know that there are farmers uh, that have taken their own lives when it comes to drought and not being able to supply uh, what's needed of them, Lord. So we pray that, um, yeah, you would be with the farmers and they would be able to, to see that, um, yeah, that there is hope, Lord. That there is always hope in you, uh, and we're, yeah, Lord, we pray. We pray for rain. There has been some answer to prayer, Lord, and some rain that we have had, but Lord, it's still dry, and we are a sunburnt country, Lord. And uh, yeah, we pray that you would bring rain and relief to some of these farmers, Lord. And we also think of the fires that have been happening, Lord, and we want to pray for all of those that have been affected um, to the point where they have lost property, and they've lost houses, and they've lost livestock, and they've lost so many. Um, so much has been lost, Lord, and uh, it's a painful time and it's a hard time for people all across this country, Lord. So we just pray again for peace that people would know that although things have been lost, Lord, things can be rebuilt. And although things have been burnt down, Lord, uh, things grow from uh, better from fire, Lord. So we know that um, although at the moment we're in a time of, of pain, uh, that there will become a time of joy again, Lord. So we just want to pray for that. Thank you, Gemma. This is Cliff Richard with Millennium Prayer. You're listening to Faith FM. Oh, give our 
to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Oh 
Vince Gill with O Come All Ye Faithful here on Faith FM. Gemma, give us another clue for our quiz. Nobody's snapped this one up yet. I've seen the phone ringing, but nobody has actually come up with an answer for it. So what have you got for us there? Another clue? Okay, the new clue is this book is God's word about Edom. Indeed it is. This is an obscure book of the Bible. It is. I have preached a sermon on this book once. Oh, really? I only preached it once. Maybe I should go back and revisit it. Maybe. There are some interesting aspects to this particular book that are worth considering. But something, I don't know, Gemma, have you ever heard a sermon on this book? I don't think so. I'm actually trying to remember if I've read it or the last time that I've read it. And to be honest, I don't know if I have. You've never sat down and just read the Bible from cover to cover? No, I'm working through that at the moment, actually. I'm, a bunch of my friends and I read it. are doing the Bible in 90 days. So it's like 15 cool. chapters a day. So I'll get there You shortly. will read it. You are not far off. Yes. Soon to arrive. Okay, so if we do a quick run around um, the North New South Wales area, we are coming up to Christmas Day, which means that there are Christmas services happening. And the list that I've got here so far are all happening this Saturday. So Memorial Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is uh, 584 to 586 Freeman's Drive, Kurumbong. Just drive along Freeman's Drive. It's you massive. You will see it. You will see it. Um, it's massive. And so they have their Christmas program. They always put on an incredible Christmas program right there. Um, so professional, so amazing. Uh, that will be beginning at 9.30. Uh, then you have Wyong, the C4 Church in Wyong. Uh, they're starting with 10 a.m. brunch, followed by a Christmas service. Um, and theirs is called, this one's interesting. Mm. In fact, this is the one I want to go to. I'm not going to get to because I've got to do my own one. But this is the, <laughs> out of my list here, this is the one that has me intrigued Ooh. because it's called The Christmas Dilemma. Ooh, okay. So Chapo and Bethany down there at the C4 Church are putting on the Christ Christmas Dilemma. And I want to know, what is the Christmas yeah, Dilemma? Yeah, I'm intrigued. What a good name. Well done. That's That sounds cool. I'm planning a bit of a Christmas Dilemma uh, for our Christmas Day show here on Faith FM. <laughs> we are going to have a debate. Ooh. So you better tune in while you are on the way to visit relatives on Christmas morning. Um, there will be a Christmas Day show here on Faith FM, and we are going to have a debate. I have called various people into the studio for this purpose. I'm excited. I'll tune in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so Port Macquarie, uh, theirs is kind of similar. Theirs is uh, morning tea starting at 9.30, uh, followed by a 10 a.m. start for their Christmas program. Uh, so uh, past Obed up there at Port Macquarie, uh, big shout out to uh, Port Macquarie team. Um, and then if you are in the Lower Hunter, Newcastle area, you have a choice between Maitland and Raymond Terrace Mission. Where should they go, Gemma? Raymond Terrace, no, of course. Maitland, like, I'm of doing course. the music. Come and see me. Come and meet me. I'm Come preaching to Raymond the Terrace sermon Church. at Maitland. No, Lyle. Come to Raymond Terrace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when does your Christmas program start? I should know this. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. And you have... Come for breakfast, though, beforehand. Come have breakfast with us. Anytime from quarter past nine onwards. And lunch afterwards. Join us for breakfast and a free lunch. So, yeah, we get free breakfast and free lunch. Okay, so some of these churches are doing free lunch. Some of them are doing a free breakfast. Some of them are doing a brunch, and you're just doing both. We're doing both. Why not That's have both? That's pretty impressive. And Lawson's preaching? Lawson is preaching. Yes. It's going to be good. Okay. I have another church to add to the list, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yep. I'm promoting for another Go church. For okay, Go so the Nara Church down at the Central Coast. Yes. They have their morning tea, 9.30... 
uh, Christmas program starting at 10.30. It says, join us for morning tea and a musical journey through the Christmas story. Now, that sounds kind of fun. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, so you've got tons of options. Let me share with you what is happening at Maitland. This is um, East Maitland Seventh Adventist Church, and so we have a Christmas serving service beginning at ten. Nice. I will be speaking as a part of that, and producer Shell will be producing the music for it. Woo-hoo. So that's going to be pretty exciting. The husband wife team right there, and that will be followed with lunch. So we're not doing breakfast or brunch or morning. Th- we're doing lunch. Lunch. So it seems that all of these services have a food component to them, which is nice. I think that's a great you won't way go to hungry uh, tomorrow. share a Christmas service. And, of course, they're taking place on the Saturday so that you can have uh, the actual Christmas Day reserved for your family, your family get-together. Okay, so that's a quick runaround of some of what's happening here in this local area as far as Christmas services go. Um, if you're in one of those areas Make sure that you turn up to one of those programs. And if you're not in those areas, uh, do a bit of Googling. I'm sure that there will be a Christmas program that you can attend somewhere in your local other your 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 local area. Okay, Bible study time. 20 million movement time. We need to get into our Bible study. We are still looking at Ezra chapter 10 and this whole issue of divorce. And interfaith marriages, we've looked at this fairly extensive this, extensively this week. Now, you know, when you've, got, when you've got a whole chapter of the Bible, in fact, you've got a couple of chapters because you've got uh, Ezra 10 and Nehemiah chapter 13 that are dedicated to this issue, it does very clearly demonstrate that God takes this issue seriously. Mm. And when you have marriages that are actually being broken up over this issue, um, it raises some serious questions as to you know how serious does God take the issue of interfaith marriages. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a bit of a review of yesterday. Cool. And then we're going to move into the New Testament and we're going to compare it with the New Testament. So yesterday we read about 111 marriages that were broken up on one day. Whoa. That's a lot. Yes. Oh, that's sad. That's agony right there. Yeah. Oof. And when you look at that, you say, okay, how could a God of love do that? Mm. What's your answer, Gemma? I tossed Gemma in the deep end. She wasn't here yesterday. We gave the answer yesterday. How could a God of love just step in and tear apart 111 marriages in one day? Did God? Himself tear apart the yeah, marriages. Yeah, this is this is this is this is um, this was instigated by two prophets, Ezra and Nehemiah. Ooh, okay. It's pretty heavy stuff. It is. Wow, deep and much. Gemma, Gemma, oh, Gemma, okay. Whereabouts of our Bible? Oh, can I use? Can I use that Bible? Yeah. What what translation have you got on your phone there? Uh, anything. Anything. Okay. I was opening NLT because that's what that Bible's in, but I can open something else. Um, all right, you can use that one. I'm going okay. to use my KJV. All right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with NLT. Let me, let me open up my KJV here. My digital one just takes a little bit longer to get going. It's well, God doesn't want to cause us pain. No, he doesn't. Okay, so then why would he break up? Okay, so let me follow that trade of thought through. God doesn't want to cause us pain. Yes, he does not want us to cause us pain. And he brings about good for those who love him. He does. Why? Okay, did these 111 people follow God? Okay, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So what it was, Gemma, just to fill you in, was it was Jewish men who had married Gentile wives. Mm, okay. All right. And in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, those marriages are broken up. 
let's read what Paul says in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And let's find out, let's ask ourselves the question, does God contradict himself? Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse. let's start in verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and starting in verse 10. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now, Okay, let, let's stop there for a moment because I think we need to work, th- work through this in context. Christians, I think, have often taken this out of context and they've said, okay, if you're married to somebody, you, you, you can't leave. Hmm. Is that what the Bible said there? No. It says, a wife must not leave her husband. Yes. Right. So I got yes. that right. Yes, I, a wife must not leave that. her husband. Yes, it does uh-huh. say that. It yes. does say that. Okay. Is that all it says? No, there's a big but that comes okay, after that. Okay, there is a but. <laughs> there's a but. All right, what does the but say? But if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. Okay, so what you've got here is what's called the law of separation. Mm. Um, God is promoting marriage as being something that's incredibly sacred, incredibly important, something that is worth fighting for to maintain, something that you don't go into lightly, something that is designed to be for life. And so as a result of that, you know, God is saying, look, you know, this is, this is how seriously I want you to take marriage. Don't separate. But if you do, then don't just start moving from one partner to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Uh, you know, which of course is the, you know, the, the, the temptation, because some people, that's exactly what they will do. Yep. Now, um, what is implied here very, very strongly um, and clearly is the law of separation. In other words, there is times when you need to leave. Yeah, otherwise there would have been no but. It would have just been, this is it, full stop. That's right. Yep. Um, ha- that but is a very, very important but there because many people are, are in a dangerous relationship, an abusive relationship that they actually need to get out of. Um, and that's a You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so the first thing we need to notice is that there is a law of separation here. If you are in a dangerous and if you are in an abusive relationship, you need to get out and you need to get out today. You need to leave today. If you don't know how to do that, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and we will put you in touch with somebody in your local area so that that can be facilitated. Hmm. Um, if you are in a relationship where there is conflict, then you know my advice is that you should try and seek counselling uh, and work your way through it. But if it is abusive, you need to get out because your life could be in danger. Yeah, don't wait. Don't uh, conflict is normal in a relationship. My relationship has conflict. In it. I don't know that there's any relationships that don't have conflict. That's part of being a human being. Um, and the presence of conflict doesn't mean that your relationship is over. Often it means that it's there's, there's various things that you need to work on. Yeah. And marriage is something that is worth fighting for. Um, it is worth maintaining. It is worth making it work. What is not worthwhile is being abused mm. uh, because that can be dangerous. All right, so where are we up to? We read, uh, what was it, verse uh, 10, 11? Let's, yeah. let's read on. Verse 12, now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Stop there for a moment. Wait a minute. Whoa, contradiction. Massive contradiction. Huge. 
Because in Ezra, Ezra says, if you have a wife that is a non-believer, she is out. Right. And 111 divorces take place on one day. Paul says, if you have a wife who is a non-believer and she wants to stay, let her stay. He must not leave her. He must not. Like, okay, now I'm confused. (laughs) Ha ha ha, yes. I love it when I get you. It is my aim in life to make Gemma confused. <laughs> You're very good at it. <laughs> okay, so what we've got here is an apparent contradiction, which is worth, which means it's worth our while studying the context. Definitely. Okay, so let's go, let's, let's look at two different churches to begin with. Mm-hmm. One is the Christian church, which is made up of people from all nationalities, but one religion. Right. The other is the Israelite church, which in the time period that we're talking about was made up of Jewish people, Mm -hmm. which was a nationality as well as a religion. Yep. This was something that the world understood in those days because in those days religions were national. When Christianity is established, you've come to that point in history where religions are suddenly going to become international. Yep. So, you know, back in the day of uh, Ezra, if you were a Jew, you've, you worshipped Yahweh. Yeah, you were Jewish. If yep. you were a Babylonian, you worshipped Marduk. If you were a Persian, you uh, worshipped uh, Ahura Mazda. If you were um, Egyptian, you worshipped about 3,000 gods. So your belief fully tied into where you were born. Exactly. And what family you belonged to. God works with that culture and God's like, okay, I'm going to have a nation and this nation is going to be a witness and it is going to share the gospel with the entire world. Yep. So the purpose of sharing the gospel with the entire world is that you then have proselytes, right? Mm. And here's the interesting thing with, which is a difference between the two churches. When you became a proselyte, in other words, you joined either the Jewish religion or the Jewish nation, you became Jewish. Yeah. So your religion and your nationality went together. Right. And so you see that in the example of, say, Ruth, for instance. Uh, When Ruth becomes a follower of Yahweh, Mm. the Hebrew God, she also becomes a Hebrew and is... Uh, married into um, the nation of Israel. Yep. There's no conflict there. There's no difficulty there. She is not considered to be a stranger. She is now a citizen. Yeah, wow. What you have is in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, you have uh, a very large problem with lots of interracial marriages. Mm -hmm. The only women that are sent away are the ones that are strangers. So if they have come across and they've married a nice Jewish man and they are happy in that relationship and they love Yahweh and they have rejected their pagan gods and they have become a Jewish proselyte, they're not counted as a stranger. They become Jewish. Exactly. Yeah. And so what you've got, this situation you've got in, in Ezra, is that the women who are sent away are the ones who remain strangers. So what you... Essentially, Hmm. you have a choice. As the wife of a Jewish person, as a a foreign wife of a Jewish man, you have a choice. You can maintain your religion and your nationality, or you can accept the religion and nationality of the person that you're married to. The marriages that are broken up are those wives that refuse 
to give their lives to Yahweh. Ah, okay. Okay, you start to see a little bit of yeah, context here? Yeah, definitely. Right? So these are the stubborn ones. They're like, yeah, no, nah, we, we, we choose our religion over I our husband. I reject God, yeah. We choose our religion over our husband is what they're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah. Now, that's not a great marriage to be in anyway, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's going to that's gonna create heartache any which way you look at it. It's also going to create havoc amongst the children. Oh, yeah. Because if your if your pagan convictions are that strong, and there's nothing wrong with having strong convictions, I support people who have strong convictions. But if your pagan convictions are that strong, you are going to endeavour to pass, and rightfully so, mm. pass those on to your children. As your husband is going to endeavour to rightfully so pass on his convictions to his children, and this is going to create tremendous conflict within God's church. Being a child, having parents that have two completely different views. How do you function? Exactly. Like, havoc. Two drastic, drastically different worldviews. Okay, so that's the situation. That's the context that you have in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's a very important context for us to understand. But it's only part of the context because when you come down to 1 Corinthians, you have a situation where you have people who become converts to Christianity so it's, the context is a little bit different here. Yes. These are not people who are born into this religion. These are people who accept and choose to be a part of this religion, this Christian religion. And their wives refuse to do so. Mm. And in that situation, Paul says, if your wife is happy to, happy to stay, stay. Now, Gemma, aren't they going to have the same level of conflict? Ooh, same level of conflict. Because you've still got one who is stubbornly pagan and one who is stubbornly Christian. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And you're going to have the same conflict with the children. Yeah, true. Which is going to have the same effect on God's church. True. I feel like you're setting me up for something. I am, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, I'm following. All right, so there is a slightly different context because it's not a nation, right? Uh, Yep. The children will then have a choice as to whether they... Follower, uh, you know, because they stay as as Greek or or Armenian or whatever it might be, yep. Syrian, whatever. Um, they stay within their nation, and they simply have a choice as to which religion they're going to follow. So there's a little bit less conflict there. Yeah. Um, but there is a very very different context in the way that paganism has evolved uh, by the time you come down to the origins of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's worth taking note of as well. So when we go back to the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, we find that Nehemiah uses force to break up some of these relationships. Yeah. He pulls people's hair out. He pulled their beards out. He Oof. belts them up. Um, you know, he pronounces curses upon them and so forth. Well, wow. And we talked about how that in today's society, we would not do that in church because if something criminal takes place, we have a force that is employed to do that known as the police force. Yeah. And they have the legal right to come in and, uh, you know, when people resist, yeah, they might get beaten up, they might get their hair pulled um, and there might be some bad language used in their direction. <laughs> we kind of get that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Nehemiah was the police force back then. <laughs> and here is the issue. The issue in Ezra and Nehemiah's time was that Pagan religions required criminal practice. Oh, 
Okay. So this wasn't just a difference of philosophy. Yeah. This was a difference of practice. So when you start to talk about um, required things like required pedophilia and required child sacrifice and that kind of thing, yeah, someone turns up in my church and starts to promote that kind of thing and uh, whatnot, I'm probably going to do some uh, hair pulling and pronouncing <laughs> curses as well. Um, we're going to meet that very, very strongly even today. Christianity and Paul's day was quite different. I turn, I come to you. Let my heart be still As I listen to your voice May I take my fill For I bring my life to you Knowing I'll I'll ever be yours as you will be mine. With the first light of dawn, I won't hide my face. I will open my hand to the hold of your grace as the echoes of heaven bind up our hearts no shadow that falls can tear us apart Though the summer grows old and the autumn draws near, my soul is a child free from every To Keith and Kristen Getty with Echoes of Heaven. And yeah, just during that uh, song break, we were discussing some of the uh, faith differences, you know, even in paganism back in the day. But before we come back to that, Gemma, can you give to us next clue for our quiz? This is an obscure book of the Bible. But if you follow the clues, it's not going to be too hard to find. What have you got for us there? If you grab your Bible right now, mm. you can answer this question. You will figure it out. 1-800-324-843. So quick, get on it. You've got the number. Grab your Bible. 1-800-FAITH-FM. There you go. I precede the book of Jonah. <laughs> That's actually a quiz on the card. A clue on the card. Yep. Oh, dear. So you've got this. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. Quick run through once again. Christmas services this Saturday taking place at Memorial Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, Freeman's Drive, Kurumbong. You can't miss it. Uh, beginning at 9.30. Uh, 
Uh, C4 Church down at Wyong, they have a program called The Christmas Dilemma. 10 a.m. brunch followed by a service. Port Macquarie, morning tea at 9.30 followed by a 10 a.m. start. Maitland starting at 10 a.m. Raymond Terrace, uh, Maitland starting at 10 a.m. with uh, lunch afterwards. Yours truly preaching the service there. Raymond Terrace starting at... Quarter past nine, nine for breakfast. For breakfast. Quarter past nine for breakfast. Followed by Gemma leading out in the music, followed by Lawson preaching, followed by lunch afterwards. I think I think Raymond Terrace actually gets bragging rights out of that list. Bra- yes. But anyway. Not um, that it's a competition. No. And Narara Church. Oh, Narara. Oh, wow. 9.30. That's right. They have an amazing program down there. For food. Yes. 10.30 for the service. I still want to go to C4. It sounds good. The title. Man, that uh-huh. title. It does. That's, yep. that's where I want to go. That's what I want to be. <laughs> Anyway, um, they're all going to be amazing. Memorial has a reputation of putting a Christmas service on that's like a million miles long. Oof. So, um, yeah, these are, these are going to be sensational programs. And I know quite a few of the music team at Port Macquarie, just, you know, sensational. Yep. Um, one of the members of the music team up there endeavoured to teach me to play the guitar when I was like nine years old. Ooh. Unfortunately, they failed That's miserably. a challenge I want. Can I teach you how to play the guitar? Uh, this is a challenge you do not want. I do. I do. <laughs> I'm all for challenges. I do. I want the challenge. Yeah. Anyway, moving Get on. Changing okay. the subject, getting back to our Bible study. Um, okay, so the, one of the things that we're talking about was you know, religion in the, in the you know, 500 BC was very much patterned after... Uh, what took place in the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was a traumatized society that specialized in really just being horrific. Mm. And, you know, you'll get some sickos in our society today that just live to torture people. And these are very traumatized individuals themselves. Yeah. And with the Assyrians, you've got a, a society that's actually traumatized as a society. Um. Sickos in our day and age tend to carry a level of shame about what they do. Yeah. And what they do is done in dark corners and hidden places. Uh, You do get other questionable people who write their biographies. Mm. The Assyrians, in contrast to that, proclaimed their torturous sadistic deeds on massive billboards right across their empire that they carved into stone that two and a half thousand years later we can still go there and read those billboards where they are proclaiming just how sick and twisted they are. Yeah, I think it's interesting compared to today because like you were saying, it's all done in secret yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's so much shame in it which you know implies that they know that it's wrong. Like somewhere deep down, they know what they're doing is wrong. But what you're saying is they they proclaimed it joyfully. Like, yep, this is who we are. This is what we do. Like to the point that maybe they didn't know that what they were doing was wrong. Absolutely. And so, of course, this shapes the religion of the whole Mediterranean region because this is your dominant superpower. This is your equivalent of, uh, you know, the United States and Western Europe combined together. Whoa, huge. Massively influential. And so when you've got this mindset 
where torture is and, and sadism is just a good thing and it permeates the culture and it permeates the, the religions of the Mediterranean. You know, this is a very, very different um, situation, you know, and you can see where God's like have nothing to do with this. And, you know, for those women who are like, no, I'm, I'm staying with it. It's like, okay, you're out. Yeah. You don't stay. Abusive people do not stay. Mm. And this is what we've, this is what Paul says. Paul says exactly the same thing. You know, if you're in an abusive relationship, get out. Yeah. And so there's actually no contradiction whatsoever at all. There's just a different historical context. You come down to first century AD, you've had the Greek, you've had the Persians who have taken over. Their religion is much more philosophical. Yeah. Much less involved in uh, sadistic practices. Yeah. In fact, they the Persians liked to build a contrast between themselves and the Assyrians. It was part of the Persian deal mm. where they are like, okay, you can have the Assyrian form of government, or model of government, or you can have the Persian model of government, um, and you know, you come over to us and we will give it to you. And so many nations would sort of cut the head off their king and come over to the Persians just because they preferred that form of government. Yeah, wow. So this is what the Persians promoted. Um, the Greeks follow the Persians. And when you study the history of the Greeks, yeah, there's, 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 it's lots of bad stuff that goes on. But they are famous for their philosophers. Yes. And so religion is taking a philosophical turn mm. during these centuries. The Romans come along, you've got Pax Romana, where um, they're licensing the religions of the nations that they conquer. Um, you know, there are restrictions against, you know, committing. Um, barbaric or um, criminal acts for sure. And so paganism has taken a very, very different form and shape by the time you come down to the first century so that the necessity of separation because of criminal, what we would call criminal activity, is no longer there. Mm. And abusive activity, you know, that's no longer there. It's no longer a, a required part of the religion. You know, there's there's definitely circumstances throughout the empire where bad things are happening, don't get me wrong. But as general speaking, you know, as, as Paul is saying, if you're happy to stay together and it's not going to create too much conflict and you're already married when one of you gives your heart to God, then don't go and, and split it up just because one of you become a Christian. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back over there. We got up to uh, verse 13, I think it was. Uh, let's keep reading there. Verse 14. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing wife or husband is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Okay, so this is an interesting uh, passage right here. Um, where, what do you think the Bible says when it says, you know, the believing spouse, you know, kind of makes the unbelieving spouse holy? Mm. How does that actually work? What do you think Paul is referring to there? For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband. Hmm. See, here's what I see happening. It says to his marriage, though, not to the person. Ah, very good. It doesn't I'm say that the husband. That it doesn't say that the husband brings holiness to the wife. It says that the husband I, brings holiness to the marriage. This is what happens when I try and trip Gemma up. Did I just get you? She sees through me. I got one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it brings holiness. And, and and really, what's happening is that the holiness is having a rubbing off effect. People rub off on each other. Yeah, that's true. Married. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's having a rubbing off effect. Um, and then, of course, verse 15, no longer under bondage. Um, if the unbeliever departs, um, they're no longer bound to each other. And, you know, the passage goes all the way down here through to verse uh, 17. And it's a great passage. And there is no contradiction whatsoever in the Bible on these issues. Anyway, this is Mariah King with The Covenant of Love.
Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and
Sarah Groves with Oh Holy Night. We have come to question of the day time. We have had some very good cracks at this quiz. It's about time we made up some mm, some custom clues for the quiz. There's still one more. Oh, there is still one there more. There is one more clue really? on the card. Yes, there is, but this is a dead giveaway. You can, like, if you, you got this, okay? All right. All right. I am Obadiah, Isaiah, or Revelation. All right, one eight hundred three two four eight four three. I was going to come up, try and come up with something slightly more obscure than that. Uh, there's a great verse in this book of the Bible about hellfire. True, where it says that those who go into hellfire will be as though they had not been. Mm. In other words, as though they had never existed. Doesn't sound like an eternal state of torment to me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and you'll find that kind of right in the middle of the book. That's probably an obscure clue. I think somebody out there yeah. can can get this. I think they can. Off the one you gave, definitely. <laughs> uh, link the last two clues together with the very first clue that we gave. And it's, yeah, well, anyway. It's not, it's not two of those books. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, definitely, definitely not definitely two of those not books. <laughs> Due to length. <laughs> See, I'm trying to get someone to call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. <laughs> Is the number one eight hundred three two four eight four? What's our question of the day, there, Gemma? Question of the day has to do with tithe. Okay, we were talking about this like a week or so ago. Okay, it should be pretty fresh then. Yeah. Okay. Question is, why do I return tithe to church, and shouldn't I just give it to an individual pastor or a person or even a group that I would like to give my tithe to? Yeah, yeah. yeah this is a really good question, and it. Um, um, it brings out the concept, you know, having chatted with this individual, it brings out the concept of the priesthood of all believers. Mm. Okay, so it works a little bit like this. In the New Testament, we talk about the priesthood of all believers where we are all priests. Yeah, we're all ministers. In the Old Testament, the tithe was given to the priests and to the Levites. Mm. And so the question is, when is a person not in full-time ministry? That's a good question. So when is it, when is a Christian not in full-time ministry? Because we pointed out in our in our Bible study on tithe a week ago that tithe is given to people who are in full time ministry. Yeah. So when are you not in full time ministry? If you're a Christian, you should always be in full time ministry. Exactly. So I guess the answer is when you're not a Christian. All right. So if you're a Christian, then and you're in full time ministry, and tithe is to go to people in full time ministry, can't you return tithe to yourself? Uh -uh. No. <laughs> no. Gemma is saying, no, that's no. a bad idea. That's a terrible idea. No. It's a terrible idea. Why is that a terrible idea? There's no form of, like, no one's checking on you. Like, if you're going to give, there's no way to be. No checks and balances? Yes. No auditing service? Yes. There's no way to have accountability for where you're going to spend that money. Okay. All right. For let's, one, there's multiple reasons, there's but that's multiple the first reasons. one. Let's, let's, let's start by looking at the concept of the priesthood of all believers and the difference between the New Testament church and the Old Testament church, which is basically nothing. Yeah. The Old Testament church, the Levites, their job was to be the Bible teachers, the social workers, the counselors, um, the ministers within the nation, right? Yeah. The question could be asked, is there ever a time when you are not an Israelite? 
is there ever a time when an Israelite was not to be in full-time ministry? Hmm. All Israelites were always to be in full-time ministry. Yep. The difference comes down to how you earn your living. The Levites were to earn their living in ministry, and the average person was to learn their living in, well, Israel, agriculture. It was primarily an agrarian society through agriculture. Yeah. Through- so let's use those two. You know, lots of different trades. I know I get that, but let's use those two as an example. Mm-hmm. And so the difference in the Old Testament is how you earn your living. Yeah. The difference in the New Testament is exactly the same. Is no different whatsoever at all. People who are in earning their living through full-time ministry are the modern-day equivalent of the Levites. Yeah. Now, the priests, different category altogether. They are the ones who are offering sacrifice in the temple. They also live off the tithe, but they don't. their, their modern-day equivalent doesn't carry across in the same way. Um, so what it comes down to is how you earn your living. So no, you can't return your tithe to yourself mm. just because of uh, the fact that we are always in ministry. It's those who are earning a living through full-time ministry that this applies to. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hand and let them
Jaden Levick with Take My Life. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have come to the end of another show here Aww. on the Breakfast Show. Sad. It's been fun, Gemma. I've had fun today. This yeah, has yeah, been good. absolutely. It's been awesome. Okay, so um, that means we get to give something away. Woohoo! It's a week of prayer. Yes. And so we are featuring uh, Roger Borno's incredible answers to prayer. Cool. Let me give you a bit of background. Have you ever read any, any of these books? No. You need to get a copy of his book, uh, which is also called uh, one of his other books, which is called uh, Trip into the Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, he began his spiritual journey in spiritualism. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, with a group of people who were worshipping Satan. Whoa. And he was seeing incredibly powerful supernatural events taking place. A room full of typewriters writing up legal briefs to get criminals out of prison, but nobody sitting at the typewriters. He was seeing these kind of things on a regular basis. He was seeing musicians who became uh, instant, countrywide, nationwide stars overnight. Wow. Um, you know, they'd just write a new song and bang, and they were out there. He was seeing some really incredible stuff. And, of course, when he became a Christian, that was a very, very traumatic experience. And he came to the conclusion that God has more power than Satan does, and so we need to pray and we need to expect answers from prayer. He started a ministry and wrote a whole bunch of books all featuring the answers to prayer that he received in that ministry. So incredible answers to prayer. This is a guy with big expectations and big faith. Sing glory 
Thank you.